Welcome to the Leaders Brief by Egobong. Today we will be looking into the normalization of work from home culture due to the COVID pandemic, Huawei's role in standard setting committee for 5G technology, and the future of core rights in Poland as it prepares for another term of its far right government. Well, it's great if you have a job that you can stay at your house and uh, you know do it through uh, digital meetings uh, and you know even some of your social activities. You know, I do video calls with lots of friends. Uh, you know, I have friends in Europe that who knows when I'll see them, but uh, we schedule regular calls to talk. It's, you know, just if you stay fairly isolated, you uh, don't run much risk. And uh, it's when you're getting together with lots of other people, uh, either through work or socialization, that that drives that risk. And particularly in these communities where you have increased cases, uh, even though it's not going to be mandated, hopefully the mobility numbers will show people responding and minimizing uh, those kind of uh, out of the house contacts. Bill Gates had replied to a question in a TED interview recently. While the race to create the COVID vaccine is on and the world may soon be immune to the virus threat, the pandemic has accelerated the use of the internet for business and personal communication. In a fast declining global economy caused by the lockdown of companies, firms are experimenting with alternate ways to increase productivity with remote employees. Downloads of video sharing applications and streaming software have skyrocketed since March. Uh, look, we, we've seen unprecedented volumes. We are, to your point, uh, critical infrastructure for working from home and, and the internet service providers that are servicing all of, uh, all of us who are trying to work from home. I'll give you some statistics. Uh, we launched both free cloud security offers and free WebEx offers. And um, in the first 24 hours of putting that offer out, we had 240,000 new users sign up. And this is a platform that, you know, before this crisis was running 300 million users per month. Uh, we are now at, uh, we're doing four and a half million meetings a day. That's that doesn't even include one-on-ones that are occurring on the platform. Uh, we're at 12 billion meeting minutes through March so far. And just to put it in perspective, in the United States, during any one-hour period, we will do 100 million meeting minutes in just one hour in the United States right now. So we've seen incredible demand. Chuck Robbins the CEO of Cisco had mentioned in a March interview with Bloomberg. Several other companies dealing with network security and equipment have also experienced similar growth. However, whether their services would retain market share in the long run is something that is much more difficult to speculate. While things are unlikely to go back to as they were before post the pandemic, offices are likely to open up as mass social contact becomes devoid of infection risk. But for that to happen, it will take at least a year and a half to two years. In such a scenario, it is safe to presume that work from home will become the default. Several professionals have realized that the work from home model fits perfectly well for their job requirements and companies who can successfully maximize productivity through the new structure are making it the norm. Japanese technology firm Fujitsu is leading the way by recently declaring that it will halve its office spaces and allow its employees to work mostly on a remote basis. The company had said in a statement to the BBC that it will introduce a new way of working that promises a more empowering, productive and creative experience for employees that will boost innovation and deliver new value to its customers and society. Twitter had announced a similar move in May, giving employees the option to work from home as long as they wanted to and several other companies are now following suit.
The most critical requirement for the work from home model is high speed internet and advances to its 5G cellular networks are creating a few ripples across the world with Chinese telecom giant Huawei at the center of it. We're having a little squabble with China because we've been treated very unfairly for many, many decades, for actually a long time. And it should have been handled a long time ago and it wasn't and we'll handle it now. Uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to turn out extremely well. We're in a very strong position. We are the piggy bank that everybody likes to take advantage of or take from and uh, we can't let that happen anymore. That was the US president justifying the ban on Huawei equipment in May last year. Notably, Huawei is a global leader in innovation and technology for 5G networks. It has a lead of more than 30% over its nearest European rivals Nokia and Ericsson and had been spearheading the development of 5G equipment. In China, telecom companies have already launched 5G services and the Communist Party expects China to account for 30% of the world's connectivity with 5G, adding $900 billion to its GDP by 2030. However, America's refusal to do business with Huawei due to China's government policies has slowed down progress in developing 5G networks in other countries. Huawei has been an essential part of discussions in setting standards for use and regulation of 5G, with US President Donald Trump modifying the ban to allow American stakeholders to meet with Huawei for consultations. More recently, the US has also announced repercussions for countries using Huawei equipment to develop their networks. This probably stems from US distrust against the Chinese government as explained by FBI Director Christopher Wray at a Hudson University event. The greatest long-term threat to our nation's information and intellectual property and to our economic vitality is the counterintelligence and economic espionage threat from China. It's a threat to our economic security and by extension to our national security. As National Security Advisor O'Brien said in his recent remarks, we cannot close our eyes and ears to what China is doing. The US has also announced economic support for countries towards 5G development if they opt out of doing business with the Chinese firm. Complying with America's concerns, the UK and France have decided to phase out use of Huawei's technologies gradually. In the UK, Huawei has requested to stall the process of ousting its research units till the next elections. Telecom Italia, planning to build a core 5G network in Italy and Brazil, has also decided not to use Huawei equipment. The US imposed pressure creates opportunities for several other telecom equipment manufacturers to capitalize on the market. Apart from bigger firms such as Nokia, Ericsson and Cisco, smaller companies are also beginning to see the potential for growth. In Japan, telecom giants NEC and NTT joined hands to develop wireless telecommunication technology and global marketing of 5G. In India, with the world's fastest growing internet user base, Reliance Jio has roped in a $97.1 million investment from Qualcomm for its digital platforms. It said in a release that the partnership would help Jio roll out advanced 5G infrastructure and services for Indian customers. As countries around the world compete to dominate the technology and innovation space, Poland is on the brink of a civil rights crisis. It is preparing for a re-elected conservative government led by Andrzej Duda, whose right-wing law and justice party is known for its denigration of the LGBTQ community and the judiciary. The victory will undoubtedly put more pressure on the already strained EU-Poland relationship. The college also agreed today on a new infringement procedure against the Polish government. The Polish authorities adopted a new law on the Supreme Court in December 2017, which, among other things, established a completely new disciplinary regime for judges. The main objective of this disciplinary regime is, as with the rest of the judicial reform, to systematically subject judges to the political control of the executive. They also targeted judges who referred requests for preliminary rulings to the European Court of Justice. 
All this has an obvious chilling effect on the activities of judges. And this is incompatible with the requirements of judicial independence as detailed by the European Court of Justice. The European Commission Vice President had said a year ago, and the European Commission had made a similar plea in 2017. A recent EU case on Poland over judicial reform was the fourth time Brussels has taken legal recourse. EU member states have also said Poland deserves less globally due to its rights policies. Tuda's re-election only means more trouble for EU-Poland relations and Warsaw may tilt towards Asia for financial support and infrastructural development. However, whether Poland will choose to find a way out of the European Union is a matter of more discussion and talks. For now, the Law and Justice Party will continue to spearhead its conservationist policies over Warsaw. Thank you for listening. Tune into EgoMonk to stay updated on the latest happenings and the impact on global trade, technology and innovation. EgoMonk helps you make sense of change. We are a global intelligence platform delivering asymmetric outcomes by bringing organizations closer to the communities they want to serve and the leaders they wish to influence. Visit our website insights.egomonk.com that is i-n-s-i-g-h-t-s dot e-g-o-m-o-n-k dot com to subscribe and make better and faster decisions today. If you wish to collaborate with us, then please email us at contact at egomonk.com.